Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Yeah, so even at 3-3 three to three at the start of the fourth quarter, it was like, yeah, the Rams aren't going to win this game. There's nothing here that makes me think, that makes me confident in what they're doing. Exactly. There was no light bulb that was going to go off, and their their offense was stymied from the very first drive, and there was no indication that they were going to step up. And um, it, so it was just, it was kind of just like waiting, waiting for the game to be over. <laughs> I mean, 14 punts. Yeah, I mean, great. If For people that appreciate punters, this was your Super Bowl. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week we do our Super Bowl wrap-up show and we speak to Melissa Jacobs, a.k.a. the football girl, one of our favorites. Also, I got Just Stand Up and Just Sit Down awards that are themed around the Super Bowl, Kaepernick Watch themed around the Super Bowl, and much more. But first, Melissa Jacobs. Thank you so much for the time. Yeah, no problem. This is such an enthralling Super Bowl to discuss. So enthralling. (laughs) So enthralling indeed. And that really gets to the first thing I wanted to ask you. I mean, that, that was kind of an, an unwatchable load, wasn't it? I was I was shocked at how unprepared the Rams were. Um I thought they were going to there was just going to be a lot more scoring. So if from a casual fan standpoint and and I think you know you want the Super Bowl to draw in new fans in theory and if anything that would turn off fans that game. It was just it, it like I, I we keep saying, you know, okay, for the hardcore people, the defense, the you know, these were defensive gems and it and it was but then the Rams never adjusted. So it's like kind of hard to, to fully measure that. And, you know, the halftime show was, was not bringing in new viewers and there just wasn't anything for a casual fan to be excited about. Is it the sort of game you can watch and say the moment was too big for Sean McVay and Jared Goff that they were not ready for this? Completely. And, and Dave, I was in Atlanta all week and I felt it there. Like they just honestly, they just seemed pretty wide eyed. For the moment, I mean, 
obviously a very young team. There were only four players, I believe, that had played in a Super Bowl before. And even with Wade Phillips there, just it just felt even on Wednesday night, I went to an event and there were Rams players there. I was like, no, you're not supposed to be out now. Like you're supposed to be <laughs> focused. And um it, it just felt like they were completely overwhelmed from the start. And 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 that's the thing about that was the problem with this this Super Bowl. I don't know if you agree, it never felt like the Rams had a chance. Yeah, I agree. Even at three to three in the fourth quarter. Right. It, was it that it did when did the Patriots score their touchdown? Was it the fourth that quarter? That was the beginning of the fourth quarter, yeah. Yeah. So even at three to three at the start of the fourth quarter, it was like, Yeah, the Rams aren't gonna win this game. There's nothing here that makes me think that makes me confident in what they're doing. Exactly. There was no light bulb that was gonna go off and their their offense was stymied from the very first drive and there was no indication that they were gonna step up and um, it, so it was just, it was kind of just like waiting, waiting for the game to be over. <laughs> I mean, 14 punts. Yeah. I mean, great. If for people that appreciate punters, this was your Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm one of those people who likes a good defensive battle, but I, I didn't even feel like I was seeing that. Like, I, I just felt like the Rams weren't executing the Patriots weren't executing, but the Patriots at least seemed more comfortable in a slog while the Rams looked lost. That was my take watching it. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's easy for football purists. I see a lot of, you know, hardcore X's and O's people out there saying that, you know, we're not appreciating it enough, but you're totally right. I mean, sure, the Patriots adjusted a little bit and, you know, Edelman, you know, we're, we're, we're heaping all this praise on Edelman and he's, you know, he had a great game. He deserves it. But he wasn't making insane catches. Like, he was completely open on almost every right. one of those catches. So they they took advantage of that. I mean, the, 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 and the Patriots, I, mean, they, I think they blitzed 50% of the time. And then the Rams still never adjusted their offense. And they didn't utilize Todd Gurley, an MVP candidate. I mean, it was just, it was almost as if, honestly, they weren't even there. So you're right. It's hard to sort of gauge this as some, you know, historical defensive gem, which so yeah, there's really... Like, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, there's just nothing to, to grasp on in this game. I mean, uh, Edelman's the MVP, but it doesn't feel the same as, as other MVPs, if you know what I mean. Oh, totally. Like, you didn't feel like uh, Julian Edelman was putting his stamp on the game. You just felt he was catching a lot of underneath passes. Right. <laughs> he just wasn't covered. Yeah, yeah, it was it was too bad. I mean, it was the the fact the fact that possibly the most exciting thing that happened the whole afternoon was a commercial that involved Roger Goodell is pretty telling. Yeah, no, certainly, and also, do you think that maybe just maybe this Super Bowl was so terrible because the Saints were supposed to be there and the Rams are like a year or two away and they showed that in practice. And the Saints, by the rhythm of that game two weeks ago, really should have been the victor. Am I off base on this? What do you think? No, but not at all. And I, you know, I tweeted this. I'm sure you were wondering, you know, you're thinking of this at some point, this alternate universe where it's the Chiefs and the Saints playing and not the two teams we were watching. And yeah, I mean, the Saints, uh, you know, the Rams are great on paper, but even in the the game against the Saints, that there were moments that, it felt like that championship was 
too big for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not going to do the thing where I, pre- you know, pretend like just that one no call was, was the only factor, but it is a tangible thing where if it's called Saints are in the Super Bowl and, and the Rams are not. So yeah, they have, they obviously have a more expansive fan base. And I, I was shocked in Atlanta. I, I, I don't think, I think I saw maybe one or two Rams fans. Mm. It was like a 20 to, to, you know, it's like a 30 to one ratio paths to, to Rams. So it, it's just, they're, even, even a team that is, um, you know, ha- has a, has a fan base. And even, if, even if they're not ready for the moment, like, you know, you're, you're the fans kind of put their heads together and you, you kind of have this will going on in, in any game, let alone a Super Bowl, And and you just didn't feel that in, in this game either. I mean, I, I know you're in the Bay Area and not not su- Southern California, but it, you are closer geographically than we are. So hopefully that adds to some sort of, <laughs> I don't know, at least uh, osmosis for, for the south of your state. Is there any evidence that Los Angeles even noticed that the Rams were in the Super Bowl? No, no. I, I mean, you heard Tom Brady after the game. He said it felt like Gillette there. And, and granted, the Pats travel well, but you kept seeing, you know, this is Rams house at, in Atlanta, and but there were no Rams there. The Rams that were there were like, you know, Isaac Bruce and Tori Holt. They were former players getting paid to do promotional things. You didn't, you know, and you don't feel, you know, I've, I've, I do spend a lot of time in Southern California. And honestly, all the fans that I know that are Rams fans are new Rams fans in the last two years that have, uh, and I mean, it doesn't, not to take away from their fandom, but I think part of being a fan is, is sort of the, you know, emotional swings. Like you go through years of losing, you have the upward trajectory, then your teammates to the Super Bowl, and, and that's part of just that emotional connection that you feel. But if a team gets plopped in your city, they're just pretty much awesome from the start. And then they're in the Super Bowl, but it's just plus you're in the city with a million distractions. It's just, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And I I don't know how the fan base is is really going to blossom, especially after this performance. Yeah. And are you really seeing people out there who are speaking of the game as if it's some Bella Chickian genius on display? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lewis Reddick is one of them. Uh, I mean, you have to say that, of the Super Bowls, it probably was his finest. I, I mean, I, I believe this, that it was his finest coaching performance just because Brady, aside from, you know, one pass to Gronk was was not, this is probably his worst performance in a Super Bowl. But it, it is hard, ultimately. I, I think you can give Belichick and, and Brian Flores, by the way, the new coach of the Miami Dolphins, um, 24 hours later, who was the... But it's not defensive coordinator, like defensive specialist or something. But they they die they they neutralized all of Sean McVay's bells and whistles from the get go, and it's not their fault that McVay never adjusted. But they did draw up a very smart defensive game plan for whatever that's worth. Do all the NFL teams that hired people, if they so much had shared oxygen with Sean McVay in an elevator in 1989, do do all, <laughs> do all the, or if he was born in 1989, do, 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 do these folks uh, have a little bit of egg on their face this morning, or do you think this will be seen as an anomaly? I, it's hard to say. 
okay. I mean, I, that's my gut. That was pretty bad. It was bad. I mean, especially you look at Zach Taylor, the quarterback's coach, who is being named uh, the Bengals coach this week. And look, his whole job was to get Jared Goff ready for this moment. And Jared Goff, of probably anyone on the field, had the worst performance. So how do you get, you know, if you're a Bengals fan, uh, you know, there's one thing when, when Kyle Shanahan had a bad second half with the Falcons, but he still had a, you know, offensive mastermind going on that he went to San Francisco the next day. That's different. But but Zach Taylor is, I think, Dave, your quintessential example of, you know, you've just been around Sean McVay, so you get a job. Because, you know, Sean McVay is yeah. de facto offensive coordinator and and quarterback coach and, and all the things. So, yeah, I think I think there's buyer's remorse. But at the same time, you you, you take a team that went from, you know, what, what McVay has done in two years record-wise. There, there is something to be said about that. But I, I'm, I'm with you where I think your, your mind is, which this is all a little bit too hasty. Yeah, and one of the reasons why they've done well these last two years is a running back by the name of Todd Gurley, who, who? we've heard in MVP talk exactly for consecutive seasons, who had 10 carries for 35 yards. In the yeah. Super Bowl. I mean, do we know what's going on with Todd Gurley? Is there speculation? He says he's not injured, but this is this has been very bizarre, and I can't even think of a historical parallel where an MVP candidate in the prime of their career was just ghosted in the most two in the two most important games of the season. Right. And this was this was the ultimate ghosting. And he hadn't been on the injury report for three weeks. But how, how do you not play him? And, and even after the NFC Championship, Sean McVay basically admitted he had erred in not utilizing him enough and vowed to go to him. Tracy uh, Wolfson, who was reporting from the Rams Hotel, you know, Rams sources tell me girl, they were go they're going to Gurley early and often. That is the key part of their game plan. And then it wasn't. So I don't know what the, it, it, it kind of the conclusion feels like he's still injured. Like there, it's hard to come up with any other conclusion. And then if that's the case, was it really risking worth risking whatever fine is going to come down if he wasn't on the injury report for these weeks? So there's, there's a lot to be uncovered there still. Okay. So, so looking forward, I mean, uh, you know, Be Belichick seems to be aging like fine wine. Tom Brady, let, let, let's keep in mind that, if D Ford doesn't line up in the neutral zone, we're talking about how Tom Brady had three interceptions in the AFC championship game. And that's a very different narrative than the ageless wonder who just won a six Super Bowl. But as you said, that was not a great game for Tom Brady. Um, only great by comparison with Jared Goff. And so how much more run do you think this Brady Belichick thing has? Uh, you know, he said before the game there was zero percent chance that he was retiring. He he pretty much reiterated it after the fact. Uh, you know, he he loves football. He it's all he's known. And and you know, you've been around enough athletes. Once you're in that routine, it becomes part of of your uh -huh. stamp of your makeup. And it's so hard to envision a life without it. Even though us from the outside were like, you know, you have these perfect children and perfect wife and you, you do have a business, obviously, that, that you're hawking constantly. Why don't 
you focus on that. Why are you putting your body and your brain through this? You you have two more Super Bowl rings than Joe Montana, dude. Like what what more do you need to prove? You're this isn't gonna happen to anyone else. No, no one's ever gonna touch this uh, the way the NFL is set up right now. So I think for the outside it, it makes almost no sense. But I mean, if you just have this, I mean, this is what makes Tom Brady great. When, when you compare him to you know, even Aaron Rodgers and other players that we say, you know, oh, if they have the right offensive mind and, it, you know, they always say that about Rodgers. If you have the right offensive mind in Green Bay, oh, he'd have so many more rings. Well, I just think Tom Brady has these, he, he, he wants it more. He cares more. He loves it more. He puts in more time. This is his lifeblood. So until I think there's a really, really sharp regression, I think he is going to try to play till he's 45. Wow, um, and, and that means we're all subject to Tom Brady for the next four whatever years. that means to the rest of us. But yeah, I mean, watch him like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will retire before Tom Brady. I, and bear in mind, Dave, you know he his whole TB12 products line is all about you know defying age. So mm-hmm. if he can say I played till forty five in the NFL as a quarterback, and that was at this level, and I have this many more rings and uh, played at this, you know, this many more Pro Bowls or whatever than everyone else in NFL history. That helps sell his brand. Now, if he starts to have, uh, he did have a slight regression this year. If next year it becomes sharper, which usually happens to people over the age of 40, except for Tom Brady, that's not going to be great for his business ultimately so i think that would probably be the biggest factor in terms of him retiring before 45 will there be a generation of men roughly my age who stop eating strawberries because that sounds really sad to me it is sad i I like strawberries does that i mean who wants to make the life sacrifices tom brady has i mean he is we're not we're not striving for six Super Bowl rings here. I think the rest of us can just enjoy our juicy strawberries and yeah. deal with consequences. And honestly, that's what I'm striving for, to eat as many strawberries as possible. Right. Give me the oh. information. That's fine. I'll take it. Strawberries are amazing. So so do you have any um, early predictions for next season that you want to share with us? Any wisdom? I just, I'm picking the Patriots. I think we all need to, to band wow. together and pick. You know why? Because I don't want to hear the underdog bit for another year. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. And also because it's funny you probably- say that because Vegas came out today with the Chiefs as the Super Bowl favorite for next year. And I cringed so hard because I just heard them in New England doing their Rodney Dangerfield. Right? Bet against us. We're the scrappy underdogs with our 60 yeah. rings. Here we go again. So, so scrappy. Yes, exactly. I saw an interesting tweet that you put out about how how few um, how little diversity there was in terms of the jerseys that Patriots fans wear. So, is there life after like Gronk and Edelman and Brady? I mean, do you see New England as a serious football territory? Because it really wasn't before 2002 i mean people would rank it sometimes as fourth place behind the bruins in the four major sports wow yeah see i don't i don't really know the landscape pre brady belichick era new england but that's what i'm hearing as well and i just i find the question fascinating i I have no idea i mean i i mean if you think about it like if you are a sports fan and you're you know say you're 30 
years old. And at 10 years old is when maybe you became really a diehard where you really had an emotional connection to the team. Wins and losses affected your mood. And you're 30 years old. This is all you've known your whole life, which is for the rest of us that have had teams that have actually lost things. That's insane. So I just find it very fascinating. I have no idea what's going to happen, but especially considering what percentage of these fans really don't know anything else. And then what you say about the fact that they were maybe the fourth, you know, place team in terms of, of fanhood pre this, this dynasty. I, I don't know if they're, I, you know, I think if Belichick is still there, we, you know, we saw Matt Castle 11 and five, I think, you know, the, the whole week it was a, both Brady and Belichick and, and Kraft as well talk, you know, it's a partnership, right? You can't have one without the other. And I do think that's true. I don't think they're in the same you know, conversation without them. But I think if you take Bel Brady away and you have Belichick, I think you can still have a few more years of success and maybe more of a, um, you know, more gradual decline to kind of, and which might keep the fan base a little more engaged. But I think of when Belichick is gone, I, I feel like that's when there could be a, a, a very steep drop in, in every respect. I mean, Belichick has been a coach for 44 freaking years. So, Grandpa Belichick. A Grandpa Belichick, 44 years. Do you think he has the fire to say, I want to prove myself post-Brady? I am hanging on after this man's 45th birthday to show that the partnership was really 1 and 1A, not necessarily uh, two equals? That's a very good question, and I have I have no idea. But, you know, given all the drama that had been reported in the last couple of years— he, he doesn't seem to, he, he just doesn't show the fire the way Tom Brady is. You know, he's not putting out Instagram videos after every victory, Belichick, but the fire's there. And, uh, you know, he, he's such an appreciation. He said he appreciates the history of the NFL. And I think that he has a good dose of self-awareness of his place in that, even though he's hesitant to talk about it. And I, I just—he's in one of those people that's like, what, what's what's he going to do without football? Like, yeah, I just can't envision him doing anything else other than coaching football. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson always had his boat. I always thought Jimmy would be okay. <laughs> right, know, always chilling on his boat. <laughs> Don Shula had his restaurant, you know, his steakhouses. Yeah. yeah, I mean, is Belichick going to be a businessman? That doesn't seem it's hard to see. Yeah. And people are, are um, pondering whether he would be good in the booth. Ooh, that inherently doesn't seem like a good idea, but no, I mean, Tony Romo is someone who I wanted to spend three hours with before he retired. It was like, <laughs> oh, that would be a cool guy to hang out with. I don't want to hang out with Bill Belichick. Right, right. Yeah. He's very, uh, it doesn't seem like, I, I mean, sometimes he can be a little less crusty, but yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't seem like somebody that's going to give you this infectious love of the sport the way Romo does. Mm. 
So Melissa Jacobs, a.k.a. The Football Girl, how can people uh, read your stuff, follow The Football Girl, and um, take part in all the multimedia that you're doing these days? Yeah, M- many, many ways. So many ways. Um, so I have a podcast, which you have thankfully been a guest on before, The Football Girl it's Podcast. terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're, that's going to keep going in the off season, highlighting prominent women under the NFL. We let men slum it sometimes like you. Uh, Thefootballgirl.com is where all of uh, my written work is mostly. And I'm very active on social media at The Football Girl on Twitter. And our Facebook page is The Football. Everything's The Football Girl. So just put that into the internet and you will you will find me. Well, fantastic. Hey, Melissa Jacobs, thanks so much for joining us on this Edge of Sports podcast. Thanks for having me, Dave. We'll be back right after this, but first, a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you gotta read. It's The Nation Magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe, and please never forget that when you support The Nation Magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now, I've got some choice words with my thoughts about the Super Bowl. Okay, look. The tension was remarkable. The emotion was undeniable. The culmination was exceptional. And it was watched by millions. No, I'm not talking about the Super Bowl, which, as we discussed, was a dreary dud of an affair. This is all about the 60-second ad for the Washington Post aired during the big game that ends with their tagline, Democracy Dies in Darkness. In one minute, by juxtaposing images of war, protest, triumph, and tragedy, the ad makers wrung more sentiment out of their audience than either the New England Patriots or the Los Angeles Rams. The last shot was a photograph of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, who was tortured and killed in the Saudi Arabian consulate in Istanbul, Turkey. The image sent shivers down the spines of anyone who is not an avowed apologist for Saudi Arabia or the Trump administration. True to form, Donald Trump Jr. responded to the ad with an embarrassingly infantile Twitter tantrum. For those who missed the game, you truly did not miss much. It ended with the dynastic Patriots winning their sixth Super Bowl in nine appearances since 2002. The final tally was just 13-3, the lowest scoring Super Bowl in NFL history. Even that score belies just how boring a contest the big game was. It was not a battle of dominant defenses making heroic plays. That could have been cool. It was instead an exercise in uncreative play calling, short incomplete passes, and a tedious absence of action. Oh yeah, and punts. So many punts. In the words of comedy writer Jess Dwick, and I love this line, she said that both teams played like they know whoever wins has to go to the White House. If anything... There was more anticipation during the broadcast of the halftime show, where people wondered if the artists Maroon 5, Travis Scott, or Big Boy would acknowledge the long shadow of Colin Kaepernick and the fact that a ream of top performers refused to play the halftime festivities in protest of how the league is colluded against the quarterback. 
Now Maroon 5 and company didn't do anything political, instead settling for playing music so formulaic, Atlantic sports writer Jamel Hill wondered if the performances had been gentrified. Beyond the game and the clunker of a halftime show, there was actually far greater drama in the suspicious vandalism of a mural of Colin Kaepernick, which was located in the shadow of Atlanta's Super Bowl stadium. In the day after the Super Bowl, seven new murals of Kaepernick were painted across the city in protest of the vandalism. There was also much more drama in seeing the athletes and artists who posed on social media wearing Kaepernick jerseys in an anti-Super Bowl showing of dissent, including LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Dr. John Carlos, and Angela Davis. This movement to not watch the Super Bowl in solidarity with Kaepernick was accompanied by a short video from director Ava DuVernay about why she was boycotting the big game. The video, which has been watched by over 2 million people, is set to a two-minute slam poem that eviscerates the racial hypocrisy of a league that wants black athletes to be seen and not heard. Take a listen. All you had to do was throw the ball, boy. We can sell this auction block well, didn't we, boy? You didn't know you were on sale, boy? Didn't we tell you to just run, boy? Entertain us, boy. Win championships for us, boy. Stay in your place, boy. Don't you dare get these other niggas, I mean black men, riled up, boy. Didn't we pay you enough, boy? Why can't you just be satisfied, boy? Stand up and salute this flag, boy. Honor your allegiance to the system, boy. Didn't we give you enough money to entice you, boy? How dare you reject your master, boy? Didn't you like your name in lights, boy? Didn't we stroke your ego, boy? All you needed to do was play the game, boy. Keep dancing for us on Monday night, boy. Make us rich, boy. We don't care if you get hurt, boy. Our job is to break bucks like you, boy. Didn't you know boys like you come a dime a dozen, boy? We can replace you with no thought, boy. Make sure our new boy is a control, boy. Thought you knew we didn't trust Negroes to be quarterbacks anyways, boy. We did you a favor, boy. How dare you turn your back on us? boy if you are kneeling it will be before us boy ain't this game your god boy don't you see how everyone else bows down before us boy don't you know what we do to negroes like you boy you see back in the day we let negroes like you sway in trees boy make an example out of you boy so other niggas just stay in their place boy don't you smell that strange fruit in the air boy you see all you had to do was just shut up boy we ain't gotta kill you boy all we gotta do is just silence you boy Now those who made this choice to boycott the game really did not lose out on much. They missed seeing an alleged offensive guru, Los Angeles Rams head coach Sean McVay, execute his game plan like a deer in the proverbial headlights, his team held to a mere field goal. We saw his young quarterback Jared Goff look even more bewildered than his coach. We saw 41-year-old Tom Brady of the Patriots look his age, but at least he was calm enough to help his team eke out a victory that was about as entertaining as watching Soup Cool. Democracy may die in darkness, but this is a Super Bowl that perished under the blaring hot lights. It was an eminently forgettable experience that in all likelihood will be remembered more for that one Washington Post commercial, as well as for the people who publicly and proudly decided that in the name of racial justice, they were just going to turn the damn channel. We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. Hey everybody out there, this is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports podcast. 
People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and, and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it. But we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. Okay, now's the part of the show where we give the Just Stand Up Awards. Just stand up and just sit your ass down. All themed around the Super Bowl. The Just Stand Up Award, to me, can go to so many different people. It can go to the artists who refuse to cross the Kaepernick picket line and play the halftime show. It can go to the folks who chose not to watch the game and protest for how Kaepernick was treated. But you know who I'm going to give it to? I'm going to give it to the union over at the Washington Post who put out words of protest about that ad that was mentioned earlier because it cost $10.5 million for Jeff Bezos, the richest man on earth, to put that ad out. The union at the Washington Post was loud and proud about the fact that the ad that their boss, Jeff Bezos, a.k.a. the richest man in the world, paid for to be produced and played at the Super Bowl cost $10.5 million for the airtime. That $10.5 million could have paid for 10 reporters at $100,000 a year to have a job for 10 years each. Think about that. And they pointed that out, that at a time where newsrooms are slashing budgets and laying off reporters, here's Jeff Bezos plopping down $10.5 million for that commercial, just to let us know that democracy dies in darkness. I'll say this, though. At least that commercial was more entertaining than the Super Bowl. The Just Sit Down Award. Sit your ass down! Goes to Adam Levine, the lead singer of Maroon 5. Why? Adam Levine could have said something, he could have done something. Instead, he chose to headline an event that his fellow artists were boycotting. For that, he really does need to just sit his ass down. Oh, and then he didn't have the courage to be at a press conference where they would have asked questions about what he was doing and why he was doing it. Adam Levine, you need to sit your ass down. Now's the part of the show we call Kaepernick Watch. At this section, all I want to do is point out again the incredible story of what happened in Atlanta where a mural of Colin Kaepernick looked like it was bulldozed, I mean destroyed with sledgehammers, I mean knocked into dust. The wall where this mural was absolutely destroyed, vandalized within an inch of its life, destroyed. Because why? Not quite sure, but it certainly is suspicious that it happened right before the Super Bowl, right before all the NFL folks came to town. Just the fact that people in Atlanta are putting up murals now of Kaepernick all over the city in protest just shows the degree to which the Kaepernick has withstood the test of time in the way that I think the NFL never wanted him to. And this is something that we've argued on this show for some time, and that's that Colin Kaepernick was meant to be a ghost story to scare players from speaking out, and instead he's become something more of a martyr to free speech. So the NFL could do all the events it wants to to commemorate Dr. King when the truth of the matter is the truth of the matter. And we know what the truth is. The truth is that the NFL is a league that wants black bodies uh, to, to suffer, basically, for our entertainment, but isn't willing to hear what they have to say.
Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much to Melissa Jacobs for appearing with us. Thank you so much to everybody who produces this podcast. For folks out there listening, please, you can always listen to back episodes of the Edge of Sports Podcast by going to edgeofsportspodcast.com. You can also support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. And please don't forget that you should rate our podcast on iTunes, write a review underneath. All of that makes a huge difference. For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.